involved with a lot of staff. I'm not trying to say anything, but I'm going to say something. Uh, he's one of the best there is, in my opinion. So very, very thankful for him and what he's doing with the youth. So uh, anyway, that said, let's um, turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And we'll begin reading with verse 14. So Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. That's where we're at. Um, (laughs) Have y'all ever had that, um, you ran across that Facebook post where it says something like, name a fish that doesn't have an E, is not spelled with an E. Have you ever seen those type of posts? Anybody? Yeah? Yeah? So me, I start thinking about fish. I don't necessarily comment, but I start thinking about fish and, you know, gold, fish, right? Cichlids, doesn't have an E in it. Catfish, bass, I I guess bass doesn't have an E on the end. I can't spell, so I just kind of go through. So shark doesn't have an E in it. So I get to about 12 of these, and then I start thinking, wait a minute, this is a joke. This is either a joke, and they won't pe- see how many people will, will comment below, or this is a post that allows people that are less intelligent to feel intelligent. <laughs> you know what? So I'm sitting, I'm sitting here going through the list, and I'm one of those unintelligent people going through this list, and they've got me. See, I do jokes like this all the time. Like, for instance, Aurora... One time was explaining how she learned sign language in kindergarten on her mat because beside her mat was the sign language chart, and she just did sign language. I thought that was pretty, pretty impressive. So during that conversation, I said, that is amazing because I know a lot of jokes in sign language. And so she continues talking about how it progresses, and then she comes back around and she says, well, Dad, what are the jokes that you know in sign language? And I said, well, nobody's ever heard them. <laughs> and you draw me, like, you know what I mean? So, so just be careful with that. Um, here's, a, here's a picture of a church sign that um, Jesus, 6 o'clock parking lot, that must be a fight. And I'm not a gambling man, but if that happens, I'm putting my money on the guy that spelled with an E. Right there, that's what I'm putting my money on. All right, enough of that. Matthew 25, verse 14 says this. For it will be like a man, for what will be like a man? It, what is it? Well, if you look up in in verse 1 of chapter 25, it says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps. So it's the kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one, he gave five talents. To another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The first thing I want to say to you this morning is that we are currently in the kingdom of God. Okay? So let me explain that. Jesus... He's down on the cross, rose third day, and yes, he's gone into heaven, but he has given each one of us talents and opportunities to do in his kingdom while he is gone. 
So he's in heaven. He's given us gifts and responsibilities and opportunities of things that we need to do for him. And one day he's coming back and he's going to hold us accountable for what we did with those talents and those opportunities that he has given to us. So the kingdom of heaven is, is here. We are waiting on Jesus to come back to sit on the throne, but it's here. We also talk about the church. The church is a part of that thing. So the church is a body, and, and everybody in the body has special gifts that they need to use for Jesus. They have opportunities that they can use for Jesus. So the kingdom of God is, is here, so to speak. And so the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. He gave five talents to, to one. He gave five talents to another two talents to another one, and each according to his ability. So God has given you and I talents. Now, talents back then, uh, a talent was actually, this word means 15 to 20 years wages. So he gave these people 15 to 20 years of wages. So we're just going to go with 20. Like, I don't know what you make a year. I don't need to know what you make a year. But let's just say that somebody walked up to you and said, hey, I'm going to give you 20 years of your wages right now that you can use. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? Like they just come up and they just say, hey, I'm going to give you 20 years of your wages. Well, this guy not only gives one talent, which would be 20 years wages, he gives one guy five, five times what he would make in his 20 years in wages to manage. He gives this guy two of those years of wages, and he gives this next guy one, and it's all according to their ability. That, ladies and gentlemen, is quite the opportunity at whatever level that is. Five, five, two, or one. I would take any of it, right? I would love for that to happen. Like, just give it and then... And then what an opportunity. And there isn't a person in this room that wouldn't do something with the money. There's some people in the room that would pay off their houses. They would buy a beach house and they would move there and that would be it. Right? There's some people that would start there, but when they started down that road, they would change and they would start doing good with their money or that opportunity. They would seize the moment. But everybody in this room would seize the moment. Well, God in heaven has given you at least one opportunity, at least one talent to change the world. It is an opportunity to change the world. You can either take the talent that he's given you and change your world or you don't use it, right? And he gives everyone according to their ability. It is an opportunity is an opportunity that you and I need to take ownership of. We in this room as people of God are world changers. Come on. We can change the world. Now, you have to take ownership of it. Let me give you a definition of ownership. Ownership is not taking possession of what is in front of you. It's about taking responsibility for what has been entrusted to you. For instance, I have a car. 
And if I take ownership, if I take possession of that car, it becomes my car and I become very self-focused and therefore I will not do any good with my car as long as I'm self-focused with my possession. I possessed it. It's mine. But ownership in the kingdom is different. First of all, everything is on loan by God. It is given to you as a talent. It is his. In this parable, the kingdom of heaven is like talents that is given to people, and it's the owner's talents. It's the owner's stuff. And in fact, later in this parable, the owner is even going to take what was achieved with the talents that he gave and those people invested. He's going to take it. It's still going to be his. So no matter what you do with your talent and your opportunity, it is always God's. It's always his. It's just on loan to you. So we don't take possession of it. It's not ours. It's the master's. It's about taking responsibility for what has been entrusted to you. This is in front of me. This is the talent that I have. And I'm going to take responsibility with it. And I'm going to act responsibly with it. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it for his glory. I am going to seize the opportunity and make something of it. So ownership. There is nothing more powerful than for you to take responsibility for the talents that God has given you. There's nothing more powerful that you can do in this world. Nothing more powerful. He's given you talents. He's given you giftedness. And he wants you to work for his kingdom. In fact, when you grab a hold of these opportunities and you invest today, you grab a hold of it today and you use it today, you are not only changing the world today and impacting the world today, you are impacting the world to come. And so after Jesus comes back and after everything is settled and after he makes everything correct, there will be rewards on this end of it for what you did with your talent that he has given to you now. It's an amazing, there's nothing else in this world that has that promise. I mean, you can make an investment in anything in this world, and it will not go into eternity. But if you take the opportunities God has given and placed in front of you, and you seize them, take responsibility for them, there's some, there's some good stuff ahead. There's some rewards ahead. There's some benefit ahead. It changes the world. It changes the world. So, he gave them. So, 16 says this, <clears throat> he who had received five talents went at once and traded them, and he made five talents more. Amazing. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, now let me pause here a moment to say this. The third guy seems to be very responsible. He does. He didn't gamble the money. He didn't put it on Jesus in the parking lot. You know what I'm saying? He didn't put it on Jesus in the parking lot. He didn't gamble his money. He didn't prodigal son it. Right? Prodigal son went out and totally spent it and, and wound up in a pigsty. I mean... He didn't waste it. Like, he didn't go out and drink it away. He didn't go out and party it away. He, didn't, he took the opportunity and he buried it. He buried it. So there is a definition of responsibility that says that you should play it safe, 
that you should keep things and be responsible with it and keep it, keep it good, keep it nice, keep it, keep it in its truest form and just bury it and you will always have it. Well, that's not exactly the responsibility that you should be attaching yourself to in the kingdom. God did not give you opportunities and talents for you to be safe. He gave you opportunities and talents for you to take risk. Risk. And if you're not taking risk, it's not really faith. Now, there are stupid risks. Come on, yeah. Right? They're stupid risks. But when you have an opportunity, and like these guys did, they took the five and they invested it, that was a risk. They could have lost it all, but they didn't. See, you cannot have success unless you take risk. If you play it safe your entire life, you will never go anywhere. In fact, you will, you'll take a back seat to everything. You'll never accomplish anything for God. You'll, you'll be safe, but you'll absolutely do nothing at all. These first two guys took risk. So this guy seems to be responsible. He's, he's not wasting the money, but he's really being irresponsible when it comes to the kingdom of God. He was supposed to seize the opportunity and do something with it. He was supposed to seize the talent and do something with it. So let's continue. <sighs> Now, after a long time, <clears throat> the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, let, let me say a couple of things. First of all, Success matters. Success matters. Success matters. Winning matters. Success matters. I personally am getting tired of people winning and made to feel like they have lost. Come on, church. When you win, you win. When you have success, you have success. We need something to reach for. We have lowered the bar way too low for our children. We've lowered the bar way too low for, for ourselves to have success. We need the bar raised. The bar raised and some risk involved. And success is okay. What I really get tired of is the people that take their stuff and they bury it somewhere and they do nothing with it and then criticize the people who are grabbing a hold of opportunities. And they beat these people down. Don't be beating me down if you're doing nothing with your life. 
you do not have the right to even speak to my success or any success of anyone that is grabbing a hold of opportunities and going with them with their whole heart. God wants you to be successful for him. He wants you to go for that success. He wants you to achieve. He wants you to do it with your whole heart. He wants to bless you when you go for it. I'm not talking about blessings of money. I'm talking about blessings of using your talent and seeing God use you to do something great in the world for him that changes your environment. It is okay to win. It is okay to be successful. And do not miss this, please. Jesus Christ requires you to be successful with the talents and the opportunities that he has given you. How do I know that? Because Jesus is coming back and he's going to ask you what you did with your talents. And I don't know about you, and I don't know what I'm going to be able to multiply from what he's given me. I have no clue. I'm trying. But I at least want to say I tried with what you gave me. I did my best with what you gave me. You know, he gives you these talents based on your ability. Based on your abilities. You know that? That's what the, te- that's what the text says. For instance, there's some things that I cannot do. There's some things that I shouldn't do. When Jesus comes back, he's not going to ask me about those things that I can't do, that I do not have the ability to do. But he is going to ask me about the things that I do have the ability to do. Um, yesterday, <clears throat> Quinn and I were in the car, and um, we were getting on to 421. And I was gospel, going 65. This is a miracle. But I had my cruise set. I was going 65. Don't be too proud of me. There was a cop that was behind me on 40. And so I set my cruise control just to make sure that I didn't get a ticket. You know, so just to let you know that I'm being authentic, I'm not, I'm not lying to you. I was going 65. The cop got off the road, and I thought this would be a moment that I could, I could go faster. But I just didn't. I stayed at 65, and I pulled on to 421. There was a Honda Civic that had been lowered with little bitty tires. And he had placed a sound device on his engine, and his engine was ee. I have remote control cars that make that noise. Oh, come on. Right? So he's in this lane. He pulls behind me, and then he pulls up beside me, and he comes right up beside me, and he stays and he rolls down his window and he looks at me. I'm sitting there. I don't know this guy. The, the glass are tinted. I really didn't want to mess with any of this. So I pulled into the other lane and 75, got a little bit ahead, dropped back, back to 65. And then what we heard was just so funny. All of a sudden we hear, And he's behind, and Quinn looked back, and I glanced back just to see what was happening, and he had floored it evidently, and he was going like slow motion, but based on the sound. Is everybody tracking with, like the sound sounded like he was going really fast, but he wasn't really going really fast. 
Yeah, and he was dun 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 dun, and he pulls up and he makes sure that he gets past me. I, I think he reached about seventy. Car was shaking, steering wheel was shaking, but he got past me, and then you know, I was just cracking. I was just cracking up. I was just waiting for one of the hamsters to fall. <laughs> fall out of me, you know, and, and I looked to my right and there was this Mercedes that she was smiling with me and shook his head and just went on down the road. It was just absolutely, absolutely hilarious. Why don't I bring that up? Because if you don't have the engine, it's not the opportunity for you to race that race. <laughs> Do you understand? Yeah. <clears throat> for instance, if, if you can't sing, you, you should not lead worship. Now listen, my fear, and I tell Nate McCartney this all the time, and my wife, if I do not sound good singing, somebody needs to tell me. Because I've been in churches where, bless their hearts and I love them to death, the preachers are singing and they just do not have that gift. It's not one of the, are you track? I'm not being critical, I'm just saying, I don't want to be that guy. I, I really want somebody to tell me. Am I going to feel bad about it when someone tells me? Absolutely. But I want you to let me feel bad because that will cause me not to do it again. And that is what you need. Right? So if you can't sing, God didn't give you that talent, not that ability, but he gave you something else. Amen. You're funny. <clears throat> I don't have time to tell you that story. <laughs> but, for instance, I, look, I, I do care about people, so I don't want you to think that I don't. Of course, I say that, and then maybe I don't. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's a psychological thing. I do not have the gift of mercy. I might seem like I have the gift of mercy, but I don't have it. I just care for people. I, I just, I care for people. I want to listen. I want to help people. But I don't have the gift of mercy. The reason I can say that is because I've seen people with the gift of mercy. And they will walk into a situation that's a bad situation, and they will start talking to the individuals in the room, and the room just lifts up. They know exactly what to say. They know exactly how to feel. They know exactly how to connect. They know exactly how to do whatever it is, and it's an amazing gift and ability that they are given. I don't have it. And I'll look at it and say, yeah, if I try to imitate what they say, it's crappy on this side. Like I can say, I've tried this before. I can say the exact same words that they said in this situation and it's just horrible, horrible. But they can say it and because it's in the moment and they have that gift, it means something at that moment in time. They have this giftedness. I am not necessarily the one that has that gift. And there's other gifts that I do not have. We have been taught in this society that we should spend a lot of time improving our weaknesses. And I'm here to tell you, it's a waste of time to try to improve your weaknesses. I've tried to improve my weaknesses before in my leadership. I've tried to, try to and I'm not going to tell you what they are because you already know what they are. Right? Well, this is confession time, so I'm not going to tell you anyway. So, so you have these weaknesses and you work on it. And I tell you if, you, if you were to grade it in school, like A, B, C, D, F, 
Because when I was in school, they wanted to make sure you knew you were failing. They didn't have an E. They went from D to failure. D to failure. So A, B, C. If you were to grade my weaknesses, I cannot get past a C. Minus in my weaknesses. I could try and try and try, and I can work and work and work, but I can't get past that. I'm always going to be in a D and C, and I'm just going to be, I'm fine with that. But if I spend time focusing on strengthening my strengths, it's B and A all day long. I can improve more if I concentrate on how God has designed me and the talents he's given me. I can improve more in this area than I'll ever be able to improve in this area. And we waste a lot of time trying to improve our weaknesses when we should take that time and improve our strengths for his glory. This is seizing the opportunities that he has given you. This right here is trying to take someone else's opportunity. That make sense? So you stay within that opportunity and you are successful. And when you are successful, celebrate that. Celebrate the successes. Now, I know that we're online, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I deba- I've debated whether or not I was going to do this in this hour, but I'm just going to do it. Wednesday night, we have 80-plus Awana kids in this room. There is over 100 people in this room on Wednesday night, including the workers. 80 kids. The church was 60 13 years ago. There are more kids here now than it was 13 years ago in this auditorium. In the back room, fuel, there are 49 teenagers, 49 teenagers in the fuel room. Now, if you don't know what the fuel room, that's what we used to call the fellowship hall. But because the teenagers have grown so big, it's no longer a fellowship hall. It's the fuel room because that's what you do. You seize the opportunity and you create the space for the opportunity and that is how the church is used. So it is an amazing, amazing thing that God is doing. It is a success. And for every fuel worker, for every Awana worker that is working with those kids, that success is how God is using you. He has given you the talents to Invest in those children to help those children, and those children are excited to come, and it is an amazing thing. That is what happens when we seize the opportunities that God places before us, and we are faithful and responsible to seize those opportunities and do them. Are you tracking? Right now, and let me go to commercial break. Right now, we need six more Awana workers for these kids. We probably could use eight. It's just a ton of kids. So if you want to do that, please see me or Seth afterwards. And we're going to get you signed up. We also need two more um, fuel workers, and it would be nice to have four. It is just an amazing amount of kids, and this church needs to seize the opportunity that's right in front of them. It is a gift to have that many kids. I don't know if you thought about this, but our church, a third of our church's population is under the age of 18. That's an amazing opportunity and amazing gift. So if you want to help, let me know. Okay, back to the the thing. So we celebrate and we're excited about it. 
Because when we have success, that means that God is using us and being successful through us. See, it's not my glory that we work for. It's not your glory that you work for. It is his talents that he's given to us to use to further his kingdom in this world. And this world needs his kingdom. This world needs his kingdom. He doesn't need my kingdom. He doesn't need anyone else's kingdom. This world needs his kingdom. And you and I are a part of that kingdom. And we need to be using the gifts and abilities he's given to us to further that kingdom in this world. Amen? Successful. Successful. It's coming back. So then, there's this guy. Bless his heart. Verse 24, he also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So let me just pause here a moment. If you work for somebody, never lead with that. <laughs> never lead with that. Never go to work. Yet. Yeah, never lead. That's not a good idea. <clears throat> not a good idea. Verse 25, so I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered to him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For everyone who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast, in, cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, into that place. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is not really a good bedtime story that you should tell your children. It's very, it's very, it's very sad. Um, I, think it's, I think it's interesting that the one talented guy decided to blame his master for not doing anything with the talent. It's the blame game. It's not my fault. It's not my fault, master. It's your fault. Because of the way you are, I decided to act in fear. Do you know the problem with that argument, with that blame, is two of these guys didn't fear their master. Two of these guys loved their master, wanted to do what was best and they invested their, their stuff so that they could bring him something more, so that they could bring him glory, so that they could advance his kingdom and what he was trying to do. And here's this joker blaming the master for failure. This happens all the time. Somebody fails at doing something, and they blame someone else, and they never take responsibility. Let me give you a couple of things about this. First, Someone else is not the reason you are the way you are. Someone else is not the reason you are the way you are. You are the way you are because you've chosen to be the way you are. I know this is unpopular, but it's biblical. This guy chose to bury his talent and to be basically a loser. 
He chose to do that. It wasn't the master's fault. It wasn't anybody else's fault. It was his own choice. These two guys over here said, I'm going to take this opportunity and I'm going to invest and I'm going to do great things. And the master's going to be very proud of me when he gets back because my goal is to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear this stuff over here. I want to be successful. And so, yeah, you are the way you are because you've chosen to be the way you are. God has given you an opportunity. It's up to you to seize it. And if you decide not to seize it, it's on you, not anybody else in the room. It's called taking responsibility. Taking responsibility. Listen. When you blame others for your shortcomings, you're saying you are powerless to change the world. When you blame other people for your shortcomings, you're saying that you are powerless to change the world. You are powerless to make decisions. You do not have the power to do so. And I'm here to tell you that is just not true. You have the power to make the right decisions. You have the power to do what is right. You have the power to seize those opportunities. Here's another thing about this blame thing. When you blame someone, you make that person more powerful than you. When you blame someone, you make that person more powerful than you. It's their fault. Well, you just made them more powerful than you are. I don't know. I'm just wired differently. I'm not addicted to power. I don't think, I do pray about this a lot. Like, am I addicted to power? Am I not addicted to power? Where, what am I doing? Because I, inside of me, just, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. It is very difficult for me to blame someone else, like in my mind, even though I blame Nicole a lot. <laughs> that would be the exception. It's very difficult for me to um, blame someone for something that I was responsible for. Like, in my mind, that doesn't compute. I mean, I have other weaknesses, but that, that one just doesn't compute. If I did something and I did it wrong, I just need to be sorry for it and try to work through it. Because what I know is that if you don't take responsibility for the problem, you can't solve it. And my, I'm wired to where I like to solve problems. I might not have mercy, but I would like to solve your problem. Do you know what I'm saying? I would like that problem to be solved. I like my problem. And you can't solve a problem and take, uh, unless you take responsibility for it. And when you take responsibility, you do not shift the blame to someone else. It's you. I'm responsible. I take responsibility for problems that I didn't create. I'm not trying to say anything, but I'm going to say something, okay? Anytime someone comes to a, to a church and they take a leadership position, they not only inherit the good things that that church did, but also the bad things that church did. I had one or two choices when I came here. I could blame the guy before me, the people before me for everything that needed to be worked upon, or I could just take responsibility for it and lead to a better day. When a guy leaves, 
I'm trying to teach you something here. When a guy leaves, a leader leaves, and another takes his place, it is not this leader's job to blame this leader. It is this leader's job to lead and work and go in a direction. That is what it is. So this is what you do. You take responsibility for stuff that might not even be your fault. And I don't mind saying it's a problem. I accept responsibility for the problem, and we're going to go forward with this. And we make a change. Every time you blame, you play the blame game, you suck yourself out of power, and you become weak, and you can't do anything. You can't lead if you don't take responsibility. Right? So this guy couldn't take responsibility couldn't take responsibility for it. And if he had, I think his, his future would have been a little bit different. Actually, if he had a different mindset, he would have never buried the, the talent in the first place. Last, you and I are responsible, and I've said this before, for what we've been entrusted with. Let me tell you some stuff that the guy buried. The first thing that the guy buried when he took this talent and he buried it in the ground was he buried love? Well, Philip, what do you mean he buried love? He buried the love of his master. It's very loving for God to give us opportunities. He doesn't have to do it. He does it because he loves us. He does it because he wants us to be something greater than what we are. And so when he buried it and didn't do anything with it, he buried the love of the master. It's not all he buried. He buried hope. Gift was given, opportunity was given, and he buried hope. What do you mean? Well, the kingdom of God is a message of hope to the world. And the opportunities that he has given you and he's given me is an opportunity to show the world that there is legitimate hope in the world that is sure. And so when we bury the talents that God has given us to grow his kingdom, it is a moment that we bury hope. He also buried his father's intentions. He took the good intentions of his good master and he buried it in the ground. Because he did nothing good with the talents that was given to him. So he buried the good intentions. So no good was done. No good gooder was done. No good was done. And when you and I bury the talents and the giftedness and the opportunities that God has brought our way and we bury and we do nothing with, us, with them, we rob the world of the love, the hope, and the good intentions of our Heavenly Father. We seize opportunities that God places in our path. And we do them to the best of our ability. Please do not waste the gift that God has given you. It's too important. It's way too important. Way too important. Um, I can say this because I've lived it. Um, sometimes 
sometimes we're tempted to bury the stuff, the opportunities because of pain, because we're afraid or, or something else. And I've walked that path where I've retreated and I've tried to bury some stuff and just kind of leave it and do something else. But man, that is not a part of my life that I would want to live over. I'm so thankful that God, in his grace and mercy, told me that I was just being an idiot. And he showed me that he still wanted me. And he showed me that he still wanted to give me opportunities, but I needed to take a step of faith in order to grab a hold of those opportunities. So that's what you do. Is this making sense? Making sense? And so this stuff is out in front of you, and you might fear it, you might be hurt, you might whatever, but you got to leave that behind. Hurt and pain is just the dirt we bury our opportunities with. We leave those behind and we walk forward and we say, hey, this is what God wants me to do and I'm going to step into this moment and see him work in my life. So that's the message for today. That's it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us.